clock made its way through three rounds of chirping before the doorknob turned and clicked almost inaudibly. My heart rate instantly shot up. The door opened slowly enough that the cans and bottles silently slid along with it. I put my forearm against the door and let it move fluidly while holding the gun up. As soon as he was halfway over the threshold, I slammed the door into him, leaning on it with all my weight, effectively trapping him. I kicked the empty cans on the floor, hoping to alert Carla in the other room. His back was to me, but I could see his left hand was empty, so I assumed whatever weapon he had was in his right hand. Drop it! I shoved harder against the door and put the gun to his head. Carla slid into the kitchen and gasped. When the shot went off, I thought it was mine, until I noticed that his right hand had appeared over his head and was pointed at her. When the second shot went off, I knew it was mine. Carla looked down, surprised at the flower of red instantly sprouting on the white nightgown near her shoulder. Oh, Jesus. Then she dropped to the kitchen floor in a pile. It looked worse than it was, for Carla and me, anyway. The dead guy wouldn't have the luxury of an open casket. Carla fainted when she took the shot in her shoulder, but it went straight through, high enough that it missed all the important stuff. I called Lash as soon as it happened. When the cops got there, I was sitting on the floor next to Carla, with a fair amount of the dead guy's blood and brain matter on my face. Tell me your first name. His head had exploded like a watermelon dropped from a few stories up. At the time, I didn't realize I was covered in blood because I'd been stunned by the image of that red spot on Carla's white nightgown and how big it got before I had the presence of mind to grab a dish towel to staunch the bleeding until the paramedics arrived. Is there any pain when I'm touching your belly? She came to as they were putting her on the stretcher to get her into the ambulance. She didn't look so hot. Her lips and face were pale, and there was blood all over the side of her neck and chest. I'm guessing I looked a whole lot worse because she screamed as soon as she opened her eyes. Relax, woman. It's the dead guy's blood, not mine. When Carla burst into tears, I started laughing. Quit whining, woman. You're not the one wearing some nut job's DNA all over your face. Fuck is wrong with you, Morno? I almost died, you fucking fuckface. One of the EMTs swiped my face roughly with a towel. You do look pretty bad. Clean yourself up. He handed me the towel, and I wiped down as best I could, with Carla staring from me to him, because now we were both laughing. I could say I was in shock, but we were really laughing because while she was out, I told him as soon as she regained consciousness, she'd be tossing the F-bomb around with the same frequency and urgency as someone with bladder control issues scoots off to the john to take a trickle. I got shot, you fuckwad. What the fuck about this is so fucking funny to you? Ah, such an angelic tongue. What is your substance? Whereof are you made? That millions of malignant invectives hath spewed from such beautiful lips. Oh, just stop butchering Shakespeare and get the fuck off me. Go. Can't you make him leave? I could tell by the look on the two EMT's faces that we were the most entertaining call they'd gone on all night. 
Lash met us at the hospital. While the doctors took care of Carla's wound, we sat in the hall and I told him the whole story. When I was finished, he sipped his coffee silently, then fessed up. I had a copy of that file you asked for sent to me. I recognized her from the picture at the press conference. I was waiting for you to tell me. He shook his head. Wish you'd have told me sooner. I didn't put it together, the attacker and the rest. That poor girl's had a hell of a time. I'll call Orlando in the morning and fill them in. Find out what they got so we can see how the dead guy figures into this whole mess. I appreciate that, Sarge. I tossed my empty cup into the nearby wastebasket. Sally confessed, he added, as if it were an aside. I nodded. How'd you do it? He shrugged. Just like I said, separated them. Leaned on Stanley. He choked first. Gave her up. Then we went to her and told her what we knew. I had the print. It's not like she could talk her way out of that one. I love it when they don't lawyer up quick. Stupid ones never do. He looked at me and scowled. Who brings a kitchen knife to kill someone? I shook my head. Sally got off a lucky one too. Crystal probably went down quick. Imagine if she'd aimed at her torso. Sally would have had to hack at her like she was chipping ice out of a freezer that needs defrosting, trying to take her down that way. Lash chuckled. Yeah, that would have been a lot messier, I guess. Why'd she do it? Good old-fashioned jealousy, Lash said. All that oil spill stuff and the illegal immigrant angle, none of it had anything to do with Crystal Bell getting killed. Sally got wind of Stanley screwing her, and she went over there and stuck a knife in her neck. Deckard probably stroked out from stress. He had to know he was walking a tightrope, having Stanley hire those Mexicans. Wayne Grove isn't exactly what you'd call a manageable type. It was bound to start falling down around him at some point. What's going on with the oil spill? I asked. They got a mess down there. They're evacuating some neighborhoods in the surrounding area. People are starting to get sick. Lash shook his head. I just heard an estimate and they think it's going to cost hundreds of millions to clean up. You know who gets stuck with the bill? The taxpayers. Until someone holds Canada's feet to the fire and they pony up. It'll be years getting through the courts. And you know we won't get nearly what it'll cost us. Dropping a bucket if we're lucky. They're saying it's going to be five times more expensive than the Chevron thing in Louisiana. Lash shook his head and sighed. Damn river's never going to be the same. weeks after it all happened, we'd slipped into that false sense of security that eventually seeps in after something bad has happened, and you start believing you're not due for anything that shitty to come around anytime soon. Not if karma exists on a level playing field. We were on the mend. My hand wasn't back to normal, but I could make a fist if I had a couple drinks in me. Carla was still pretty sore, but at least her knee was back to normal. I'd closed the bell file after contacting the cousin and giving her all the information I had, along with Lash's contact information if she had any more questions. It had been a busy week for my harbinger of doom duties. A couple of notices of wage garnishments, two evictions, 
and guardianship papers to an 86-year-old woman who lived with 14 cats. She'd served us fresh-baked cookies and had a lot to say about O.J. Simpson and his current case. So I was pretty sure she was operating a few years behind everyone else. I was just starting to get antsy about landing a new case when a woman walked in around closing time on a Friday evening. She wore her curly hair cropped very short with a distinct side part that gave her the look of a 1920s era flapper. Skin the color of a coconut, but smooth as the milk inside. She wore a light brown dress that fit so perfectly, not another body in the world would wear it the same. She had on a pair of those huge glasses that covered most of the face from mid-brow to below the cheekbones, an accessory that has never enhanced the appearance of anyone in the history of the world. Her nails were lacquered a deep brown to match her lips and high heels. She exuded control. I immediately figured her for a lawyer. Both Carla and I stopped talking as she entered and briskly approached the desk, holding out her hand to me. Detective Morneau, the woman removed her glasses and looked down at Carla. I'll get right down to it, the woman said. My name is Mercedes Sandoval. Mercy to everyone but phone solicitors and my priest. I'm here to hire you to track someone down on behalf of a client. And who would that client be? Mark Whittier. Mercy Sandoval locked eyes with my assistant. Carla stood up. What's this about? She crossed her arms over her chest, but her eyes revealed a note of alarm that belied her defiant gesture. Mercy took a seat and crossed one long leg over the other, smoothing her dress along her thighs. Mercy Sandoval was the green of stubbornness and self-indulgence. Lavender tendrils wended their way through the green, so I knew passion played a part in there somewhere. Who's Mark Whittier? I asked Carla, not taking my eyes off the woman across from me. Lorenzo's business partner. What kind of business, I asked, still sizing up the potential client. Mercy smiled. Rioval Capital is a private equity firm specializing in asset management, venture capital, and public market investments. We invest in a broad range of industry sectors. Lovely, I muttered. You said we. I'm one of the attorneys of record for Rioval Capital. One of? Must be some kind of business if it needs more than one lawyer. We all have our individual fields of expertise. And what's your field of expertise? Negotiation, Mercy said. It took me a while to find you, but it couldn't be more convenient. Who better to look for the man who embezzled $7 million from my client than the woman whose life he ruined? And her new employer, of course. She shifted her gaze from Carla to me. Mr. Morneau, we'd like you to locate Lorenzo Rios, and if possible, the $7 million he embezzled from my client. We answered in unison. We'll We're take not interested. it. Carla slowly turned to look at me. Morneau, if you take this case, I quit. I looked at Carla for a second, then turned to Mercy Sandoval. I'll take it. Dex Morneau series by Jenny Decker. Narrated by Greg Kreitz and Jenny Decker.
Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Just a little housekeeping so you guys will know what's what. There will be four seasons, a total of 70 episodes in this series. From here on out, the episodes will drop bi-weekly on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can find the podcast on Twitter at The Real Morneau or contact me at DeckerJenny at gmail.com should that need arise. And if you're into true crime, I also produce another podcast called Down and Away where I do deep dives into missing person and unsolved homicide cases that you have probably never heard of. Thank you so much for listening and stay subscribed for upcoming episodes.